Today's podcast episode is brought to you by me. I am thrilled to introduce you to Ruby, my new vulva plush pillow for all your educational needs. Ruby is unique because she comes with her own removable clitoris, the perfect tool for teaching all about female pleasure, how to use period products, and what the entire clitoral anatomy looks like, and more. You can find Ruby on my site, thevaginablog.com. Check her out and let me know what products you'd like to see next. If you followed me for any amount of time, you know I love the Jovi patch. Jovi uses nanotechnology to intercept messages caused by discomfort, giving your brain the ability to better manage and cope. No wires, no magnets, no medication, just neurocapacitive coupling technology. Go to meetjovi.com and use code THEVAGINABLOG20 in all caps to get $20 off your Jovi purchase or head to the show notes for a quick link. Jovi is reusable, drug-free relief for anyone suffering, especially with menstrual cramps. Hello, everyone. Today, I am sitting down with Chrissy Powers. She is a marriage and family therapist and an embodiment coach. I should have like really clarified your titles. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's it. Hey, um, <laughs> she's amazing. We've been talking before recording and <laughs> yeah. we're finally getting serious. So, <laughs> Chrissy, will you tell us about yourself? Tell us about how you got into this. What inspired you to pursue uh, your MFT? And then also mm-hmm. was what like the work you're doing in embodiment right now? Okay, that's a really good question because there's always a story that goes with all of yes, that. Yes, and I love hearing um, the whole story. I want to know everything. Yeah, so, okay, so first question is how did I get into becoming a marriage and family therapist? Yes, yeah. or like what, what put you on this path? Um, definitely my own need for healing put me on the path. Um, I had an eating disorder in college, which... Um, I went to a small private Christian school, so it was very prevalent there. Um, and so it's kind of like primed and in the petri dish to acquire one of those things. <laughs> I did. Yep. I acquired an eating Had disorder. one of those too. Same environment. It's a thing. <laughs> yeah, it's a thing. And so, um, I mean, I just had all the risk factors for it. And um, so I, had, I struggled with an eating disorder from age probably 19 to 25. Um, but when I was um, in uh, college, I, I remember, you know, just wanting so badly to find help and I just couldn't find it. And even it, even though I was struggling, I just, no one ever really called out what the problem was. So um, I knew I needed, I knew I needed help. And then when I got it um, through like an outpatient program with a counselor who had been through um, her own eating disorder and recovery, I felt like, wow, like maybe I could do this. Like maybe I, not that I went through it for that reason, but like, how can I make this be something that I turn into good? And so my brother, um, I was working after college in a job <laughs> that I, it was, it was just a depressing job. I always say the, you know, the show or the movie Devil Wears Prada. Um, that was my first job. I worked for, uh, in San Francisco, I worked for Parenting Magazine. I was the assistant to this big ad executive and I like made all her spa dates and all these, like all these things, but I just, I wasn't thriving. And I was like, this cannot be it after college. Mm-hmm. So I met with a career coach and she asked me like, if you could do anything, what would you do? And I said, well, I love art because my BA was in art, but I want to help people. So for me, that translated into the art therapy. And then yeah, when I started to 
question that and like look into it and research. Um, my brother at the time what, had just graduated with his degree in psychology or mm-hmm. master's in it. And he said, you know, if you study um, marriage and family therapy, you can use art therapy. You can use whatever yeah. modality you want. And I was like, yeah. oh, smart. I just like, yeah. I just had such a limited worldview at the time that I just didn't know mm-hmm. how to think beyond like that I could do that. And so that I started down that path of, you know, doing, you know, all the prerequisites for it since I was an art major and I fell in love with it. I got into a program in Southern California um, at Chapman mm-hmm. University and I um, graduated in 2010. Yeah. That's so cool. What an interesting like uh, path into mental health work. Oh yeah. Yep. I've had so many different jobs. I say I've done so many different things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would never undo it because I learned through doing, um, but yeah, studying marriage and family therapy, it's actually just basically psychology, but the emphasis, um, is in marriage and family therapy. So we look through things as if, um, through the family lens, family system lens. That's been something. So I was telling you earlier, like I am taking a class right now about marriage and family therapy, and it really is so interesting looking at people in their systems because we don't realize how much of an impact our family and relationships have on us. And really, I feel like marriage and family therapy, that's what you're studying. That's what you're specializing in. That's what you're getting to know how to take these things apart and put them back together. And it's so interesting. Yeah. what's what's your favorite population that you enjoy working with oh, I love working with um mothers nice. I love working um well just women in general um but as we were just talking before we started recording like we know men really need good therapy and they to do. be loved and to be seen um, so I do want to branch into seeing men and, and sometimes I'll find myself writing like an Instagram post or something. And I'll just be like talking to women and I'm like, Hmm, maybe I should just say us or people uh, because I'm like, people. we all need, we all need this. Yeah. So, but specifically I have worked with women, my age, you know, usually I, I love working with like the population in their twenties that are kind of finding themselves. So there's a special place in my heart for, for that population. But then I love, I love helping women get free. Um, and usually it's in a, some sort of crisis or some sort of like awakening that they have maybe after children um, where they're like, okay, this isn't fulfilling me like I thought it would. Um, and, and then it allows us to go in um, and do some really good work around you know, yeah, it's okay if motherhood doesn't fulfill you. It's not supposed yeah. to fulfill you. You yeah. are supposed to fulfill you, not your kid. Yeah. Oh, amen. And it's it is such an interesting couple of years when you start mm-hmm. having kids and you start making all those life adjustments. I had the opposite. I just assumed motherhood wasn't really going to be for me, but I also knew I wanted kids. That sounds weird, mm-hmm. but like I just felt strongly I should have them. I did not anticipate liking my kids and being obsessed with them the way that I was. And so I had been working full-time, went back to full-time work and was like, this is the worst. I miss her so much. And so for me, I find so much, I find happiness in trying to do more part-time. So I'm home more, 
but had no idea yeah. that that's how it was going to be. And so I think we get blindsided in parenthood in some way oh, or yeah. another. Something is going to be like, wait, what? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's everyone I talk to, regardless, one way or the other. It just doesn't, you never know what it's, how it's going to transform oh, yeah. your relationship or your relationship to the world or how, yeah, how you want to work. Like it's, it's a yeah, lot. And I was the, on the other side of things. I thought, yeah. oh, I will be a stay-at-home mom forever until my kids are, are all back in school full-time. And then maybe I'll yeah. work during those hours that they're in school. Yeah. And I didn't anticipate wanting something more. I just thought, yeah. oh, my kids are going to be everything. I'm going to be the Pinterest mom. I'm going to have like, you know, really cute, like after-school snacks made for them. And I'm like, of course, <laughs> no, <laughs> me, me. It, there was moments, you know, earlier on when I wasn't as busy, but yeah, I, I didn't anticipate having such um, an, an amazing uh, calling and career, like ah. with women that also is definitely a big part of um, what I'm meant to do here on earth. And I would be remiss if I didn't also mention that I love working with women coming out of purity culture. You know, that's like a new hot topic these days, but um, I, I find them, they're finding me and I love it. Yeah. And I never ever thought that that would be a thing in my work. I just, it kind yeah. of came out of my own healing. I love, okay, let's, we didn't talk beforehand about going here, but let's go here. What, let's talk, what is purity culture? Yeah. And why is this problematic? Because this is a buzzword we're hearing a lot and yeah. it, it is problematic. It's it's very problematic. So yeah. what's beauty culture and why do we need to work through yeah. this as pretty much all Americans? Because we yeah. all have it in our background, whether we were religious or not. Uh, I'm so glad you made that distinction because I was just going to say, even if you aren't religious, it's in the water it's of our nation, our society. Yeah. Um, women are expected to be more of that like pure symbol and um you know we talk about women being you know sluts or whatever or this or that so it's like very much like there's a black and white when it comes to the idea of women and women's sexuality in our nation um but purity culture specifically talks about it's it's the um you know growing up in the church and being told it's like the gender roles that we put on ourselves, like women, you are submissive to men and your body is not your own. And mm -hmm. um, you, you are modest it. for men, not for yourself, yeah. for men and not actual exactly. true modesty, modesty, how we've come up with it these days, which is yes. you just cover yourself and not be yeah. a distraction. Yeah, exactly. It's that idea. Like, it's like in the macro, it's like those things, like um, yeah, protect, you know, don't be a stumbling block for men. Don't yeah. take up too much space. Mm -hmm. um, your desires should be for your husband, not you. Mm -hmm. And so that's the bigger, you know, issue with it. But then when you get into the weeds, then you realize, okay, now we're like young girls promising yep. our virginity to our fathers. And then we're promising it to our husbands and our bodies are never our own. And yep. so then we don't even know about them. And mm -hmm. then we get into marriages, usually at a young age, because you're not supposed to have sex before you're married. So then all the mm -hmm. young kids are getting married, not knowing anything about their bodies or sex. Yep. And then they're disappointed and they feel like, what is this? Like, this is what I waited for. Or the sexual issues like vaginismus yep. and you're like vaginismus, like statistically the, the population that has it the most is like religious women. Yeah. And so yeah. 
it's well, just, and like, I, we have to look at that. I've been devastated to see too that um, you know, we're we're told, especially religiously, like don't have sex, don't have sex, don't have sex. And then suddenly you're supposed to love it. Oh yeah. You're supposed to be super into it. It's supposed to be, you've never been a sexual creature or been allowed to be, but now it's supposed yeah. to be your most favorite thing. And you're supposed to do it whenever your husband would like you to. And I, I've talked to husbands who are like, I really waited and tried. Yeah. And now I feel like this person owes me this. And I hate that for them. And I hate this for our relationship. Mm. But also I waited my whole life for this. So they owe me, you know? Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's not a good way to start into marriage. <laughs> No, you know? <laughs> that's rough. No, I mean, in some way of looking at it, it is the objectification of women. Very much so. Yeah. Yes. It's like yeah. using a woman because this is how you believe sexuality should be. And yep. it's not a heart connection. It's a physical yeah. and you're right. Like it's, there's so many myths that we talk about within the purity culture. And one of those is the light switch myth that you're supposed to just like, you turn it off, you deny all of those feelings. And then you say, I do. And then you turn it on and you are a hot sex kitchen kitten in the bed, yeah. you know, and, and yeah. that just isn't reality. You can't, your brain doesn't work that way. Yeah. Well, and then beyond that, if you're listening to this going like, well, I wasn't raised in a religion and I, so I didn't have to, well, you might've been slut shamed because of these same yeah. ideals in the people around you. So yeah. that's, we're all kind of victims to this purity culture, whether we were very religious or not. Like we, we cast that role of like the virgin and the whore and the, because yeah. our country was settled by Puritans and we just never really fully let that one go. <laughs> No, we did not. We did not. But yeah, if you can control a society um, or group of people sexually, then you can really control that group. Yeah. Oh, I yeah, absolutely. And I feel like we've really seen that play out and we're seeing it play out further currently yeah. with everything that's going on. I mean, it's. Oh, yeah. A- yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. You do a lot with female embodiment and trauma. So what is, what is that? Like, what is, what is being embodied? Yeah, that's a good question. So as a therapist, I've done my own work around trauma and um, kind of learning more about it. And the more that I learn about trauma, the more you really learn that it is in the body. And that was like the missing piece for me in my own healing journey was that I was constantly Like, what's wrong with me? I'm having another panic attack. What's wrong with me? I'm still anxious. You know, I've been talking about this. I've talked about this, but um, I still, my body was physically reacting to certain triggers and it was so frustrating to me because I literally couldn't calm my body down. It Mm -hmm. wasn't until um, 2019 when I did a women's circle online with Krista Black Gifford that I realized, oh my gosh, like I am really locked up in my body and have been for years. And I, she, she taught us nonlinear movement just kind of on our own. And so I started doing it on my own. And I was like, I don't even know what I'm doing, but this feels so good. I feel yeah. like I can get my anger out if I want to, I can. Um, and so then I um, looked into getting trained in it. And I realized like, oh, Michaela Bowen, the creator lives in Ohio, which is close to me. So I went and I got trained by her in person. I was like, like one of, I was the last group that she did before COVID. So it was such an honor um, to be in her personal 
yoga studio in Ojai learning from her and getting to do this on hours on end to, and as through this training and so much of healing happens when you actually get trained in something. Yeah. And in person. Oh, yes. Person. It was like, so we were doing nonlinear movement, like hours and hours and hours on each day. And I would have these moments where I'm just like with these other people that I normally never would have been around before if I hadn't just taken the chance to like go out of my comfort zone. And I'm moving my hips during these like nonlinear movement sessions. And there's like a part of me, it's like the devil and the angel or like the ego and the the higher self. And so the ego is like, what are you doing? You look ridiculous. You're so new agey now. Look at you, you're woo woo. And all you're moving is your hips. You look so sexy. And like, and then the the higher self is like, why is that bad? Clearly clearly your body wants this. Cause like my hips wanted to move. And I just gave that the time and space because that's what we do in nonlinear movement is we get out of our heads and we listen to our body. So I allowed that to happen. And that's yeah. really why. And I, I started to notice as a result of this, that my triggers weren't affecting my body the same way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Why, yeah. Oh, I love that. Like I'll go to same thing, breathwork classes. And there's always that moment of like, I look crazy. This is crazy. What are we doing? If you can push past that yeah. and just embrace it and just let your higher self guide, like I just end up sobbing the whole time. It, it gets so many, it pulls so many things out of my body. And like, I just feel so much better afterwards. And I, that work is so important. And I oh, love yeah. that, that you are this overlap between, cause we, mm-hmm. here's the thing I'm, I'm finding studying psychology though. A lot of the things that we label as woo are not woo at all. They're actually well studied. Mm-hmm. That's what's so frustrating to me. A lot of these things mm-hmm. are well studied as very, very good life practices. Why we're not talking about them more, I don't know. Yeah. I think that in the world of trauma work, they are getting talked about more, or at least trauma is getting talked about more. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, Peter Levine, Bethel Vanderkirk, um, Gabor Mate all of these like trauma researchers are really mm-hmm. getting to speak more about the root of like why we get disease and why we, um, mm-hmm. you know, how trauma can manifest in our bodies in that way. So I do feel like that's getting talked about. Um, and I do feel like sex and intimacy in our bodies is getting a little bit more talked about, at least like Netflix yeah. shows, like we were just talking about principles of pleasure and yeah sex love and goop all of those were really great um but yeah we don't in the world of psychology at least talk as much about that embodiment and how to incorporate the body um we kind of like left that entire you know eastern you know um, mindfulness was just starting to become a thing when I was in grad school and so Uh yeah that's I see and I so I studied that quite a bit while in school and it's been so interesting to dive into the scholarly work because there's tons of it yeah and I, I just am like why aren't we teaching this in schools why are we talking about this more yeah. why is this the parenting book you know like how right. to teach your mindfulness how to train them in these practices like and it's it's just we have lots of work to do you and I right we do we do <laughs> so you started you start diving into trauma how do we become trauma informed? Yeah, well, we definitely need it in our society because of everything we've gone through in the last 
you know, mm-hmm. three years, two years um, with the pandemic and just all the social justice movements and things like that. We have to understand people through the lens of trauma in order to find empathy for them too. Like, mm-hmm. um, you know, there are groups and populations of people that have been oppressed because of their trauma. And so if we don't look at that, we can't find empathy and we can't make change. So on that note, you know, we have to love people in that sense enough to see their trauma. Um, And on the other side of things, it's everybody has trauma. And so if we don't look at that, we're constantly saying, okay, like, let me just, you know, pull myself up from my bootstraps, but that only works for a certain amount of time. Yeah. Um, Yeah. We're just, we are all going to have trauma responses from being in that pressure cooker that COVID Mm -hmm. and the pandemic was. Um, And so children going back to school, you know, we need trauma-informed teachers, we need trauma-informed doctors, and we need trauma-informed parents to be able to hold that space for their kids to say, this is okay, you know, like you need to release this or you need to, you know, it's okay to be scared in a group. Um, It's going to take us time to get back to that place of feeling at ease in our bodies again after we're trying new things that we haven't done for a while yeah yeah well and like we were talking about before I I was telling her I have weight I put on weight during COVID Mm -hmm. it's not going anywhere and so I'm just now at a point where I'm just kind of getting curious around it like why are you here what are we still worried about like thank you body for like worrying about me getting through all pandemic that was a little stressful of course you like prepared for like the worst right (laughs) Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> but like we're safe now so what do we need to do and I'm looking around at so many people going through that as well like I don't wait no yeah. longer looks like calories in calories out to me it looks like oh you've had mm-hmm. a rough couple of years your body's mm-hmm. hanging on to this because it's it's worried it's worried about you you know uh-huh. and that's okay I, yeah. I feel like it's such a uh, beautiful relationship to have with your body when you can be like, what are you, what are you worried about? What are you scared of right now? Like, why are you, why are we staying in fight or flight? Or why are we staying traumatized? How can I release some of that? You know? Uh, I love how you just talked about your body in that sense. Like you gave her a voice and that for me is embodiment. Embodiment is just simply living in your body and being aware of um, what your body needs and wants. And it's really the full human experience. So really embodiment is just saying, okay, what am I feeling right now? Okay. Yeah. yeah. I feel like my neck is tense. Where am I oh, yeah. feeling it? What yeah. color is it? Can I name it? Yeah. Like it, yeah. I, I'm working on passing this on to my kids too. Cause we weren't mm-hmm. taught to think like this about our bodies or to work with them in that way. And we need to. Yeah. Yeah. We were, you know, there's always that phrase mind over matter, but really in reality, that's not such a thing. Like matter will always your body will always win. Your body, like Bessel van der Kirk's book says, keeps the score. And so um, I have I have a few clients that have the same thing, un- unexplained weight, and they can't get rid of it. And they're dieting and they're limiting calories and working out, and it's still there. And so I actually said to this particular person, I said, what if you just did some nonlinear movement and got really yeah. curious about it and yeah. said, what do you need? And why are you here? And gave it a voice. So it took me a long time to get to that point in my own healing journey to actually give my body a voice and say, okay, you're freaking out and panicking. Why? Let's get, tell me where, 
And so I, now that's what I do with women in terms of therapy and embodiment is like, we get real curious and we do meditations and we ask the body, what is, what do you want? What do you need? We're here for you. I love you. I'm not going to fight you anymore. Yeah. Um, it's a young yeah. woman's game. I'm past that. I can't anymore. I don't have the youthful energy mm-hmm. anymore to fight and hate. No. And it's just the fire and the anger is much. just not there anymore. Those that. Yeah. Yeah, yes. <laughs> we're and too much together, my body and I. <laughs> I know, I know. I get really emotional when I think of all the the years yeah. I spent battling my body oh. and wanting and bending it to my will. Yes, and starving it, running it, yeah. eating it, like it's all of it. It just breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that that was normalized to me, mm-hmm. that that was what was shown to me, like how you treat your body. But collectively, I think a lot of us are going through that where we're like, we don't want to be our moms. We're not interested in trying to shrink yeah. for their entire lives. I don't want to eat cardboard for my entire life and just run until I'm dead. Like I just, yeah. it doesn't sound, that's not the life I want. No, no. We want juicy lives. We want to eat the cheese and the bread and the wine and the, yeah, we want to have yeah. the juicy life. Have really good sex. Exactly. And have really good <laughs> sex while we're doing that. Yes. <laughs> Uh, so what do you, what, what is the best part of doing therapy and doing this work for you? Oh, um, I definitely think that the best part is seeing someone come back into wholeness with themselves and, um, and to live an authentic life that they don't feel ashamed of, um, personally and professionally, I would say that's like the best work is to do it yourself. And then also um to be able to walk alongside someone in the darkness and and to say I'm here for you like I'm not leaving you I'm gonna be here for you and um there's hope on the other side because I I've been there myself and that's like such a gift such an honor I love that oh this is also good so for people listening in our bizarre post COVID world where we're kind of like coming out of things, right. We're starting to like do all the stuff and heal. What, what is the next best step for getting in tune with your body and releasing some of this trauma that we've all collectively gone through? Yeah. Um, awareness first and acceptance. Um, I think so much of, you know, that is just saying like, I'm just going to accept what is instead of what I want it to be or resist what is and try to just kind of cover it up and just white knuckle life. Like you're just going to prolong your healing if you do that. So just, just allowing what is to be, and then say, it's okay to get help. Um, I have so much hope for Gen Z because they've already normalized mental health. And, and I think that's so great, but we still have like our generation, I think still struggles a little bit and has a stigma around it. So um, yeah. asking for help is probably the first step. Um, and then if you want on your own to start educating yourself around trauma, um, uh, there's some really great resources out there now for that. Um, my favorite, um, documentary is, uh, called the wisdom of trauma. And you just literally go to the wisdom of trauma.com. Um, it's created by Gabor Mate. And all you do is, um, donate money, I guess, to the, to the cause. And then, um, you get a a link to watch it, but Gabor Mate has some of the best books on trauma. Um, 
uh, so does, you know, The Body Keeps the Score is a great book. Mm -hmm. Waking, Waking the Tiger was one of my favorites as well. So just research, researching and reading and doing some, you know, just some information, getting information on trauma in the body will blow your mind and make you feel like you're not crazy. It's not all yeah. in your head. It's in your body. Yeah. That's, it's funny because as I look up different physical ailments I have, and then you look at what emotions that can often be tied to, mm -hmm. it's very rare that it's not exactly what I'm going through emotionally. And I'm like, oh, okay, so this is, this is a thing. Oh, it's <laughs> a thing. I'm, I'm reading now this huge book, The Myth of Normal. Um, oh, by, wow. Yeah, yeah, it's huge. The Myth of Normal, Ill Trauma, Illness, and Healing in a Toxic Culture. And so it has so much information on why there's like a rise in autoimmune disease and different populations that struggle with different things. And like, yeah, he's just, um, uh, I can't, I can't talk more highly of him, but, um, yeah, I gotta dive into that one. That looks amazing. Yeah. I think it came out this week, but it's so good. And, um, but if you just even start YouTubing, you know, these, these people doing this research, you'll start to get some framework for it. And then you will do what you just said, like looking up, like, okay, what's the emotional side effect to this asthma that I have? Oh yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. I feel that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. So if someone wanted to work with you, how would they do that? Where can we find you? Yeah, well, I'm on Instagram at Chrissy J Powers, but I'm trying to have better boundaries around it because for years, we didn't even talk about this. I did mommy blogging. Um, and then during the pandemic, I really transitioned very slowly into um, the work I do now with women. And so I share openly about honest motherhood and life and my own healing journey there as well, which I know is different for a therapist, but felt right. So I keep doing it. I think it's, hey, I'm tired of the gatekeeping <laughs> and therapy. I'm tired of therapists feeling like they have to live behind some sort of wall. No, let's be real. I, yeah. I, I support it. Yeah. Yeah. One time someone wrote me and said, what happened to the therapist being a blank slate? And I wrote back and I was like, I just never felt like a blank slate. No. They I'm aren't. Human. They aren't. Therapists are not blank slates. I, it's such mm -hmm. a mythology. Like none of that has ever been real just because they yeah. haven't been doing publicly. Like, right. yeah. So yeah. So if you find me there, you'll notice like, okay, there's a hodgepodge of stuff, but I really do majority wise talk about healing um, mm -hmm. and through the lens of, you know, my experience and also the, the work that I do have embodiment and trauma. Um, and um, you can also find me on my website, chrissypowers.com. You can contact me through there. I love working with people individually. I have a coaching package called The Embodied Woman, where I really love to, you know, walk alongside women in that journey of how you come back to yourself and really embody your body and learn who you are and mm -hmm. to love who you are. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what I'm really interested in right now. And so, yeah, that's how you can find awesome. me work with me. Well, I have to ask you the question I ask everyone that comes on the podcast. How do you like to manage your period? Oh, that's a good question. Um, mm -hmm. I'm trying to get better at it to be, it's not something I dread. This is something I learned um, in my women's circle was that it is a time of release. Yes. And so emotionally speaking, I'm more gentle with myself 
And mm -hmm. I like to think, it, think of it as my body's form of release. So what am I releasing during my period emotionally? Um, as I'm shedding and letting go of things. Um, I remember you talking once, I don't know what if it was on Instagram or we were jamming, I can't remember, but mm -hmm. you were saying you free bleed. And I was like, oh my gosh, she can do yeah. that. We can do that. I just, yeah. just I'm just now learning. It's yeah. like so weird at 40. I'm learning what is right for my body and my period. Totally. So I have to be honest that I'm still kind of like haphazard. Like I'm like ADD with my period. <laughs> yeah, like, that's okay. What do I have? A, I have a cup. Okay, I'm gonna use my cup. Okay. Yeah. Oh, believe me, that's the same tamp. over here with people sending me stuff. <laughs> I'm like, what are we using this period? <laughs> I bet. But I just love that that's like now an option, right? Yeah. So, you have lots yeah. of options. Yeah. So I think my next awesome. period, I want to try the panties. I want to try things. Oh, you're gonna love them. You're gonna get hooked once you okay. free blood, and you're like, it's it's just the best there's something yeah. about it i'm gonna i'm gonna try it i'm interested awesome. oh chrissy thank you so much for being on the podcast today this conversation has been absolutely amazing thank you so much for having me i'm this is your your population is mine i love love doing this work if you loved this episode of the Vagina Blog Podcast, please take a moment and write a review or share with your friends. This podcast is built by listeners like you, and it means the world to me that you're here. Today's podcast episode is brought to you by me. I am thrilled to introduce you to Ruby, my new vulva plush pillow for all your educational needs. Ruby is unique because she comes with her own removable clitoris, the perfect tool for teaching all about female pleasure, how to use period products, and what the entire clitoral anatomy looks like, and more. You can find Ruby on my site, thevaginablog.com. Check her out and let me know what products you'd like to see next. If you love the music on this podcast, be sure to check out Pleasant Pictures Music Club for more. Eric does an incredible job of creating fresh, bold, high-end music for your films, videos, and podcasts.